welcome back to this week's episode of the One Broke Actress podcast. This is an honest account of actor life plus a few lessons I learned in the process. I am your host, Sam Valentine, a.k.a. One Broke Actress. We are moving right along in this podcast season. This week, episode four, I am so excited to bring you back around to a singular actor. Although I will say thank you so much for the feedback on last week's episode. The roundtable discussion went off like gangbusters, so apparently you guys loved it. So I'm already planning to add another one to this season, so keep an eye out for that later on. This week, however, let's focus on one actor. His name is Chad Collins. Chad and I actually met online first, which sounds really weird. Uh, He had been listening to the podcast, and we started talking. We met through a similar coach, Sarah Mornell. I know she just keeps coming up on this podcast, but... Welcome to the network, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, and he reached out to me and he was promoting and sharing the podcast on his own, which you guys know I love. Rate, subscribe, review, share. And he uh, since then I've kind of watched his journey online. And honestly, the guy is a working actor. One, ladies, you're welcome. He's very attractive. Two, He is working his ass off and his social media game is on point. And three, he uses his network like no other. So today he's going to talk to us about how he started from a little farm town, coming all the way to the big city and started working for a PR company in LA where he learned a lot about managing himself in the industry, how he got brought in specifically from that position into acting, how he's kind of exploded since then. And although you might not know his name yet, you definitely will soon. He is up and coming. Um, Chad also goes into traveling as an actor, as well as keeping up your personal social media game. We had a lot on this one, guys, and I am so excited to finally introduce you to him. So without further ado, please enjoy Chad Collins. Cool. So I am here with Chad Collins. Hello, Sam. Hi. I'm so excited to have you. Me too. As you know, I'm a a big fan. That just warms my heart. (laughs) So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you are um, not, you're not from LA. I'm not. No, I was, uh, I was born in upstate New York originally. Half a lifetime ago at this point. (laughs) So I don't know. Once you, I always joke that once you hit double digits in LA, it's kind of like after you hit your 21st birthday, it all just kind of blurs together. It feels like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, how did you get to L.A.? Uh, I have a wacky, weird, roundabout story. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm an actor, and I do that full-time now, but that was not my origin story. I grew up in a small town in upstate New York. I went to Ithaca College back east. I was a journalism major, and hmm. they had an L.A. internship program that I took advantage of, so... I timed it so that my last semester of college, I was out here doing an internship, trying to flip that into a job. So I spent, yeah, you know, everybody back in in Ithaca was taking four classes and drinking every day. And I was out here giving 50 hours a week for free uh, and an internship, hoping that it would turn into something that would would, uh, set my career in motion. And it did. I, I interned with uh, a guy named Jay Schwartz, who is a longtime publicist and now also a talent manager. And I fell in with him and became his intern for four or five months. Uh, he offered me an assistant position right then and there when we were done. Went back, tossed the cap, flew back out to, to L.A. and just kind of hit the ground running post-college. So that's how I 
landed on LA's doorstep working in a PR office. So then what brought you to the acting? From that? <laughs> you were like, man, this side looks so good. I want yeah. to be on the other side. Well, I, uh, I had never acted a day in my life. I was, you know, typical small town, all American kid, you know, football, basketball, not baseball. Not college? Not, no, not even college. That's surprising. Never. I was, I mean, I was a huge nerd. I, my town was about 2,500, 3,000 people. I graduated with about 95 people. So, I, and I lived eight miles outside of that small town in Canajahari, New York, and uh, we were out in the sticks. So yeah. I, I grew up working on farms and between sports and everything else, you know, very much a bubble and wouldn't trade it for the world. But uh, I had never acted a day in my life, but you know, you're eight miles outside of a small town. What are you doing during those, those formative years? I'm having like massive G.I. Joe battles in the creek and I'm reading comics and I'm reading The Hobbit and I'm reading Stephen King way too young and X-Files when we finally got, you know, cable watching uh-huh. USA horror movies and everything else. So uh, I had always loved, you know, TV and film, obviously, but I never had thought about a career in it. But the PR gig that I took when I started in L.A., that was he, he's a personal publicist. So he represents TV and film actors, uh, sometimes uh, musicians and, and other celebrities of that ilk. So I got thrown into the Hollywood mix kind of right away. Yeah. I mean, day one, going on the Paramount lot, Scott Bakula did an a, a incarnation of the Star Trek TV series for UPN. Uh-huh. And he did that for five years. So like, I remember week one as an intern, I'm on the Paramount back lot. And I'm hanging out on all the sets and... We're was going, that really overwhelming? Were you, were you pumped? What did you I mean, think? for me, it was just taking it all in, you know, and I was just there kind of as an observer, but it was really cool to see behind the scenes. We were in the green room for Leno all the time. We were on red carpets for premieres and everything else. So I really got a sense of the industry, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, and just really got very comfortable doing all this sort of stuff and learning. We were always talking to managers. We were always talking to agents, people at networks, studios, et cetera, et cetera, you know, talking to celebrities left and right. So it kind of prepaved the way for me to acting. Um, I think about three, four years into doing the PR, uh, a, a talent manager we had worked with, we, we were doing PR for a client named uh, Elizabeth Pena, uh, the late Latina actress. And she was on a show called uh, Resurrection Boulevard on Showtime. Oh, I remember that one. Yeah, mm-hmm. and her manager, a uh, wonderful uh, woman by the name of Gina Rugolo, she asked me to breakfast one morning, and I said, cool. I thought we were talking about the PR campaign for her client that we shared. And she just kind of dropped it on me. She's like, so have you ever acted before? And I said, oh, well, I thought this was a different kind of breakfast conversation. But um, since, you, since you're paying for it, I suppose mm-hmm. that uh, we, could, we can talk this out. And she just said, you know, I think you got an all-American look, and your personality seems to be, you know, great from what I know. And she's like, would you be interested in taking a class? Because maybe I would want to work with you, develop you, whatever. I was very flattered. And I said, well, why not? You know, I happened to be watching, like, Band of Brothers mm-hmm. at the time, and I've already alluded to my, my uh, G.I. Joe habit from a kid. So I've always been obsessed with like soldiers and knights and everything else. And I'm watching Band of Brothers and Gina Rugolo puts this bug in my ear about taking a class and trying it on for size. And I'm watching that night and I'm just like seeing the guys crying, like crawling through the muck and the mud with their rifles and just covered in slop and, you know, Nazis. And I was like, you know what? If I could just do that, you know, (laughs) once or twice, I would think I would have... A hell of a time. Mm-hmm. And so I took a class, uh, Leslie Kahn's. Oh, okay. Uh, she ripped me apart for knowing nothing because I, do, I didn't know anything. Did, um, she, did you 
do you start at a certain level in that class? Like, uh, I just went with a consult for her. Okay. And she's like, did you bring any sides? I'm like, I, I don't know what sides are. And so she hands me like a seed from ER. And she's fantastic. And I studied there for a while. And then the instructors were phenomenal. And, uh, and she basically was like, it was like a scene. It's like 40 cc's or whatever, me running down the hall. And I'm like, I'm just reading the page. Like, I have no idea. Trying not to read the stage directions because I just don't know the difference. <laughs> and she was like, okay, so it's clear that you know nothing about acting. I'm like, yes, you've nailed it. Like, she's like, well, that's a good thing. Because we don't have to untrain you. That's true. Yeah. So I just hopped in and, you know, I was doing PR the entire time, obviously. And I mean, I only left the PR gig about three years ago. Uh, I was balancing both. And and I was very wishy-washy about acting for a while. And um, just took class when I could afford it and had the interest. And was able to book some things, some non-union things and some some Hallmark movies and and everything else. But again, very wishy-washy. My publicist kind of became my de facto manager. We worked alongside each other. He had PR clients that were coming to him for management because they didn't feel like they were being serviced by whoever they were with. So we were learning the management game together in That's the office. Amazing. Yeah. And and I was learning the acting game, you know, audition style and everything else. So it, we kind of came up together with this whole endeavor and... Uh, yeah, so that th- th- those are the roots. I won't keep boring no, you with all I the detail and read my resume, but no, that's such that was an interesting way to come into this from the back end mm-hmm. that way. What do you feel like you learned then from starting with that background that you probably wouldn't have learned if you went just straight to acting class? Absolutely, uh, I learned a ton. I mean, just the exposure that you get to that sort of stuff is is incredible, and um. You know, Jay would always kind of harp on me, even from the beginning, which I used to roll my eyes about, but uh, now I see the value of it. But he would always talk about uh, the value of relationships. Everything is a relationship. And this is a guy who'd been doing PR at that point for 25, 30 years. So he had relationships all over the place, all over the map and across the entire industry. And so I started to kind of create my own and in that way. And I think that was the big thing, to be able to email an agent at a high level agency to be able to talk to other publicists, to be able to communicate with celebrities on the reg and, and network and studio brass on the reg. Like that for me was invaluable. And you create friendships because you're at the TCA parties, you're Mm -hmm. at this, you're at the premieres, everybody, everything else. So, you know, and then with the advent of social media, it's really easy to be connected with those people on Facebook. It's not invasive. It's non obtrusive. No one owes anything, anybody, and it's not an invasion (laughs) of privacy of any sort. So, the relationship stuff really, really served me well. I mean, not not to mention just being boots on the ground in the office, going through breakdowns, submitting, putting together pitches, just learning and keeping up the speed with that digital switch. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were we were mailing headshots back in the Holy day. Shit. So this goes back a while, and then everything switched over to digital. Digital, so it was empowering the clients to stay on top of that and and just learning and kind of me bringing the new to the table while, you know, Jay worked the phones and was tireless with calling and pitching and everything else. So it was a great partnership and a great dynamic, and we both learned a ton. God, that's such a cool way to do it. Then how did you make that switch to full-time actor? Because that's everyone out there listening. This is the dream, right? All we want to do is just this, and we're all working hopefully in that direction. Uh, so how did, how did you get to that point? I think, you know, it got to a point where I'd reached a threshold and I'm putting 40, 50 hours a week in an office while also maintaining kind of a, a, an ever growing, 
uh, acting career that requires more attention and energy. So I was getting burned. And also, how did you do that? Because I think that's a lot of yeah. actors feel like we can't have a job like that. Mm-hmm. We can't have a job that overtakes a lot of time. Um, so how do you? How did you find that balance? Well, I mean, all credit to to. Uh, Jay Schwartz because he was flexible enough to let me go and do a movie come back and you know go do a show come back I mean, you already would, proved yourself as a good employee exactly I guess, too. Yeah. yeah and I would handle stuff you know on the weekends after hours whatever it took it's a full-time job anybody who's working in this industry in any capacity knows that but he was always super cool about letting me go I mean look it didn't hurt that he got 10% for the stuff that I booked and went away and did anyway, but I would, helpful. but I would always be welcome back to the job, you know, with the insurance and the white collar benefits of that, and you know, that was a big, big, big help. And you know, I always helped to find him interns and temps to replace me and and everything else if he if he needed it. So that was a big thing. That was an advantage of being able to work alongside my manager to allow me to kind of do that. But at the same time, the work was the work and the job was the job. And it was it was hard to balance. You know, as I got busier, as I booked more, it was just it was too exhausting. And it became clear that this is what I really loved and wanted to do. You know, full time, I felt like I learned everything I needed to learn from being in that office. I was ready to make that um, leap. You know, yeah. it's, it's easy to keep the warm, cozy security blanket on. But at the same time, mm-hmm. I was like. You know, I've built a career to a certain point and I've been spending 40 or 50 hours a week focused on X. What if I spent 110% of my energy focused on Y and Z over here? I think I got to think that would serve me better. So, and it has, and you know, but (laughs) it was scary at first and there was the the lean times get even scarier, you know, when, when, when it's all on you and you're doing this full time, but let's talk about that. Because I think that the quiet time is really scary, like in between projects, not knowing what's coming next. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I've been lucky enough to work enough that I haven't even had to think about at least lower tier SAG insurance for years. And I'm very fortunate to be able to say that, but I was right up against it this past year. I mean, I really, I, I've, in like almost a calendar year, I like eight or nine months. I booked like one lifetime movie lead, which didn't pay well. And it's about what you get paid that contributes to meeting that threshold mm-hmm. to to qualify for insurance. So I w- I think I between residuals and that meager paycheck, I think I cleared it by a hundred dollars. And I was like fifteen thousand. It's it's eighteen. Eighteen. Eighteen thousand one hundred. I think I hit like eighteen two thirty two. Shut up. Yeah. So that was a lean year and and scary, but it was a great year because I had a a movie that I was very proud of that I was promoting and a a sci fi series that I was promoting. So I invested in a a publicist uh, to work alongside. And I just, I, I got to do a lot and experience a lot of things that were for me that would serve my acting career in the long term. So the year wasn't a loss just because I didn't work. Right. But for sure, the money kept just going out the window <laughs> and, and very little came in. So <laughs> this year's off to, or this year's has been a much, much stronger start these last six months. Great. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. What, what has been your journey with that co-star, guest star, blah, 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 or have you mainly done feature films and did you choose one or the other like or did you yeah, just go with the I'm um the interesting thing about working in the industry before I I took on this you know acting responsibility is that like I was I was like kind of playing chess I was really committed to like learning it there's a creativity I think that comes with the business mm-hmm. and since I wasn't you know hardwired as an artist who abhors the business I was like kind of in the business first to pick up the artist's way sort of thing 
I was like, how do I hack this? How do I get out ahead of this? How do I do this? I, um, I lucked my way into a lead in a movie called Lake Placid 2 way back in the day, which was a sci-fi channel, uh, Sony Universal co-production. So it was a you know, creature feature Saturday night thing when they used to do those all the time. Uh-huh. And uh, you know, Cloris Leachman and John Schneider. And it was really fun. And it took me to Bulgaria for three weeks. Sick. Yeah, it was super fun. And I was still pretty green at that point. I had a few credits. And that was kind of a big break for me. Mm-hmm. But I came back from the experience and I still wasn't really sold on acting the same production company called me like a year and a half later. They, a lead had dropped out for another one of these creature features. They like offered me the lead. And I'm like, I just don't know. I had taken a year and a half off of acting. I didn't really want to do it. I thought I was going to do more freelance writing and stuff like that on the side. And I was like, no. Like, I'm flattered that you're like offering me because I don't even deserve offers at this point in my career. But I'm like, I don't think so. And they were like, please. I can't we'll, believe you took it. Like, we'll double the money. And I'm like, I will be on the plane. So, <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> the, long story short is this Lake Placid 2 movie was produced by an awesome dude named Peter Nelson down at Sony. And he called me shortly after that movie. This is like 2008 or something like mm-hmm. that. And he was like, we're trying to get this sniper movie franchise off the ground. We own the rights. It's a franchise that starred Tom Berenger and Billy Zane. Tom did like two and three. And then they kind of shelved it after 98. Well, he's like, I want to reboot it. We want to do an origin story. We're going to send you to the Philippines. You're going to play young Behringer and like Vietnam flashbacks and all this other stuff. I'm like, so great. Your GI Joe brain I, is just exploding. I, at this I, point. I mean, you can you imagine my excitement? <laughs> and uh, so I was through the roof, but this thing just dragged on and got shelved again. And so for three years, we didn't hear anything, but it did eventually come back around. And it was a reimagining of it, a reboot of the franchise where I wouldn't play Tom Behringer, I'd play his son. And so they still had me in mind as the lead, and I went down to Sony, and I did like an hour of like a test, you know, shoot, uh, audition, I suppose, with the director and and Peter, the producer, and I somehow passed, and this is after, like I said, I was a year and a half off of acting. I really hadn't done anything at that point. Had you been in class? Um, Here and there, but mostly I was on a break, on hiatus, and long story short is that that, for me opened my eyes and there was no looking back. It took me to South Africa. We're shooting literally on wildlife preserves. There's giraffes and, and zebras running around the set. There's rhinos, there's ostriches, you know, warthogs and wildebeests. And, and I'm just out there running around with a humongous 50 caliber sniper rifle. Like it was an amazing experience. Billy Zane came back and I got to meet and work with him and learn from him. We were, we shot like 24, 25 days Amazing. in, in Joburg, uh, Johannesburg, South Africa, three months before the World Cup, which was a crazy, exciting time. But I just, I got done with that movie and I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I got to go 110% all in. I'll always regret if I don't. Mm-hmm. And what a great thing to launch off the back of. So publicist that I was kind of, and, and the publicist that I work with, he got me ink in Variety. During the summer when the paper, you know, it was all no mm-hmm. digital edition. It was a paper edition. It was pretty lean during the summer. It was like 10 pages. But he got me a picture and an article basically saying Collins is, is the new mantle, the new sniper for Sony pictures, whatever. We got blown up. Sick. Gersh, Paradigm. I'm Everybody under the sun called and they all took me out to dinner. They took me to meetings. Ruth Chris Steakhouse. Like, <laughs> I was like, I was just blown away but I felt ready for it kind of I was still wishy-washy I knew this is what I wanted to do but I also knew that like the only tv credit I really had was one line on an episode of Greek at that point point. Uh, and you know this I potential franchise but 
So anyway, you know, all of them eventually passed, and they all basically said the same things. Like, he just doesn't have anything on his resume. You know, there's nothing we can do here. And, and it, this, the TV was starting to become more and more the sexy thing and the profitable thing. So they all had eyes on TV, and I had no credits. So I was like, you know what? This is a great learning lesson for me. Um, sorry, I'm being very roundabout, but I'm getting to no, this no, point, I, I promise. This. So I said, let's build some TV stuff. And I said, I'm going to give myself four or five months, book as many co-star TV roles as I can, get some tape, get some credits on that resume. Mm -hmm. And then from there, let's try and do our best to graduate. And I did. I stuck CSI New York and 90210 and a show on HBO called, um, oh God, it was the Laura Dern show, um, Enlightened. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I booked like three, four quick ones out of the gate. So wait, was that a conversation you had with then your... Um uh, boss slash manager. Like yeah. How did you focus in and be like, here's what we're going to do. What is the game plan for something? That's like something that? I came up with because okay. I just saw there was a void there and this is the quickest route to getting there and the path of least resistance. And this will lead to the guest stars, which will hopefully lead to the recurrings to the series, regular opportunities. And so, because I was so entrenched in that office that I was like my own manager too. Mm -hmm. I was my co-manager and Jay did what he does and still does super well, which is kicks the door down then we do, I do well in the room, and so we both walk away with a great relationship that serves us both. So that was it. There was a ladder, and I consciously climbed it, and I said, I want the onset experience first. You know, I, it's a blessing I didn't get signed by Gersh and Paradigm, and I'm auditioning for like, you know, $150 million budget movies. I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't ready as an actor, talent wise. I wasn't ready, maybe personality wise. I just, I, those are too, too big of a leap. It was a quantum leap. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I just stuck some co-stars, which soon gave way to guest stars with like NCIS and, and just going down the ladder. And, you know, I think a year or two later, I tested for my first pilot, a, a pilot that never won a baseball TV series um, for TBS. So it was kind of um, strategic and calculated on my end, but it served really, really well. And now that we're at that like guest star level, like that's our, that's our new floor and everything else is the ceiling, you know? So we're, we, we haven't really looked back on that. But the industry's also changed. Yeah. Casting directors will tell you themselves, they like like co-stars and the new guest stars oftentimes because everyone's looking to cut corners and save money, and they're going to drop your billing and try to shave a little bit off the pay and not guarantee you so many days. But since film actors have all flooded the TV world, everybody kind of gets pushed down a rung on that ladder, right? So... It's yeah. uh, it's interesting. It's a, it's an interesting ladder slash like life rope we're all hanging on to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Less of a ladder, more of like a, a buoy. <laughs> so did you? Was that? I'm just I'm, I'm fascinated that you just laser focused in on this and achieved it. Is that something you think you could achieve to this day? Like in this current climate, what are some ways that actors could format their brain around this? Because this is amazing. I was thinking about. Literally the same thing on the drive here. I just came from, from an audition. And oh, awesome. It was to play, you know, the big bad in an episode of a, of a you know, series on CBS. And I won't name names here, but basically the industry has shifted and changed. You know, I, I had a, a meeting with uh, Lori Oppenden, who's the head of casting at the CW. Mm -hmm. Some friends referred me, and I went and sat with her, and she's wonderful. And, and uh, we talked, and she was like, you know, at the CW, we're just really big into – 
finding roles for for women and uh, diverse choices and everything else. And like she's sitting, I'm I'm a, I'm an all American blue eyed white guy, you know, in his thirties. Like and hot. And I'm like, I get it. I'm not. I'm I'm not the new sexy. I'm the old news. I I totally get that, and it's fine. Because, you know, my response to her was, she was like, I just don't know that we would ever be able to really find anything and this and that and whatever. And I was I like, like... you're so CW. That's fascinating. Well, I mean, it, it, and it is true. And they've got an amazing diversity push uh-huh. and, and they're giving more voices to female directors, actresses, I mean, across the board. And it's wonderful to see. It truly is. But I just told her, I said, I'm fine with the white guy being the new bad guy. And I'm telling you, I left this audition to play the the big bad on this episode. Um, shoots people, you know, hijacks a ship, all sorts of like wacky stuff ensues, right? Room full of white guys. And I'm like, that's Great. fine. It's cool. I mean, I've had my G.I. Joe moments, my hero moments, my Captain America moments and the stuff that I've done. But I get it. The industry is is not wanting to play down to stereotypes and stick people in those roles anymore. So I, the industry shifts and changes. And I feel like... If you can find that silver lining in it and embrace it, you'll keep working. It's yeah. fine. You know, it's it's really not that big of a deal. So, yeah, maybe that answers your question. But, it does. Um, do you self-tape a lot? I do. Okay. Yeah, I think everybody does now, right? I know. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm starting to like it. Mm-hmm. Do you enjoy it? I love being in the room, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. because, you know, I've been at this for a while, and it's just lovely to see these people, and... But, you know, the self-tape stuff, I mean, it's pretty convenient, you know, to be able to do it in, in your air-conditioned home and then not have to drive across town. But I like it. I embrace it. I've booked off it. Um, you know, it, there's two sides to it, right? On, on one hand, you're not getting direct feedback and direction in the room. And, and you know, the, the entrance and the exit, you're not going to be able to get your charisma all over them. <laughs> but at the same time... Do a thousand takes, you know. You can, yep. you can absolutely as many as you possibly you know? like, and in whatever lighting you would like to put it in. Mm-hmm. Is and there I, anything that's consistently worked for you in self tapes? You like, know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of. Um, I mean, look, this industry is is it's predicated on no's, right? Mm-hmm. Most of our existence is ninety five percent no, 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 no. There's thousands of reasons why they could say no, and only one reason they could say yes. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. So let's deconstruct it. How many no's can we remove off of their checklist? And so when it comes to self taping, you don't have the advantage of getting hands on direction, right? So if there's any doubt or any way that I could see something else going differently. I'll do two takes and send them off. And and whether casting decides they like one or the other, whether the, you know, the manager or agent decides they like one or the other, either way I'm covered because mm-hmm. I can show you. That's not that's 95% of of direction in the room is a little bit more, a little bit this, but sometimes it's like let's just see what else you can do and let's have it go the completely other direction. Do you send two takes together? Uh if I'm really piece? confident, I just send the one. Okay. But if if for sure I feel like it could be played one way or another, I'll send two. And if they never watch the second one, that's fine, but it's there. And yeah. sometimes they will if, you know, you have the relationship there. So that's one thing. And I think the other thing is, you know, is there really an excuse to have a poor-looking, poor-sounding tape these days? Yeah. There really isn't. Mm-hmm. And those are just two more no's you could check off the list, right? Because you could do great work, but if somebody at the hiring level, the producer, whoever at the network is looking at this garbage-looking tape... It's like, what is a shot on VHS? <laughs> they might just throw it out the window, and, and it's all for naught, right? So go the extra mile and get a directional mic. You know, have the softbox lighting. And, you know, I, 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 I go so far as to send, a, you know, a Windows Media file and a QuickTime file. 
I'm just like, oh, wow. I'm just going to do both because, you know, maybe you're a laptop, you know, a laptop PC person. Maybe you're a Mac person. And I'm like, we'll make it easy on you. Cover your bases. Yeah. And just put all the information in the file name, the standard stuff. Yeah. You know, it's just, there's a lot of actors who, who, you know, haven't learned these little tips and tricks. And I guess that's why mm-hmm. we're here, right? And exactly. why you provide such a wonderful platform for that stuff but it's really very selfish it's all for me but a lot of them just you know (laughs) you know i'm talking about a lot of them depend on the managers the agents to yeah tell them that stuff and really handhold and And it's like i would never think twice about something like that like a file format yeah i'm like oh it's a it's a video file yeah but i mean back those backstage columns are great and they can be sent right to your email i'm a Mm -hmm. huge fan of of amy joe berman Mm -hmm. um Who's she just offers the most wonderful stuff. I took all of her webinars. It's it's about how to use social media for networking and all the tips and tricks and hacks about social media for yourself and for your brand. She does perfect segue, yeah. Chad. Let's go it's, into social media. It's amazing. Um <laughs> let's talk about it. I feel like you're very on top of yours. I am. And and I and again, credit to to Amy Joe because she's an absolute you know, rock star in, in this arena. I didn't know anything about it. I had Funny, the accounts would, and I'm like, I don't know how this stuff think works. I that like, because of your, the PR work you did, that that would have been like, just a cinch to you already. Mm. Well, in some ways we had to be familiar with it, but back then it wasn't nearly the, the, you know, 85 headed, headed Hydra that it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a great tool. I mean, let's just be honest. Like if you're an actor and you're in business for yourself, and you're not embracing social media, you just get in your own way at this point. You know, yeah. it's just rebelling against it doesn't do you any good. Feeling it's negative about it. Like, yeah. I don't have a TV. <laughs> like, what I know. Are you I just, doing? I, okay, it's fine. Um, I guess, but you know, enjoy your results as mixed as they are, mm-hmm. you know. But it's a tool if employed properly. And Amy Jo's great. And she, she kind of drives home the point that. You know, and she's a former casting direct, uh, casting exec at HBO, and and so she built a business to kind of empower and teach actors off the back of that. And so she just talks about how people, you know, hire who they know, like, and trust. And so it's about building rapport, and it's about the authentic networking. And everybody like gets turned off by the word networking, but networking is nothing more than creating friendships, creating relationships, and and mostly offering something, not asking, offering something. And a shout out, support, it can be, you know, a retweet, it can be, it's all about like giving first and not doing the desperate actor thing of entitled and just being like, hey, I'm a stranger, I don't know you, where's my stuff? No one cares. <laughs> no one cares. There's, there's tens of thousands just like you, mm-hmm. you know, why, why should we care in that way? So I'm a big fan of social media. I try to be consistent with it. It's a great platform, um, you know, for sharing your own stuff and just reminding people in your network that you're alive. I what's, work once in a while. What's your, do you, are you more focused on Instagram? Do you tweet? Do you do, you do it all? I think that's where it gets a little overwhelming is people yeah. don't know where to start. True. I, I mean, I, I hit all platforms. I mean, my yeah. advice to people who are just, you know, getting rolling with this and just, you know, trying to find a way to make peace with it. Mm-hmm. It's like, just set up the profiles. Like, you don't have to be crazy. You don't have to go over the top at first, but just have a hub. You could book something tomorrow, and now you got you know a dozen fans, a hundred fans who want to find you. Have be available, you know, to not have a website and not have your reels up on IMDb. Like just be discoverable, just mm-hmm. be available. That's served me so well over the years. You know, I've got tons of stories like that. But you know that I, I personally like Facebook okay. because 
like I said to you before, like there's, <laughs> you wouldn't show up in someone's office cold, right? Like a salesman. <laughs> you probably wouldn't cold call them either, right? It gets a little dicey when you start spam emailing somebody you don't know. Mm-hmm. Facebook and Facebook messaging, that's kind of a different story. And, and it's a lot easier just to click like, oh, we have these mutual friends in common. He's sort of vetted. She's sort of vetted. Yeah, I'll, I'll connect with them. Mm-hmm. And that's how you get it started. Then just pay attention, you know. And, and I'm connected to so many casting directors and agents and whatever. And I think that if you can cheer for someone else's success and you let them know, that, that that's that's networking done easy because they appreciate it. You know, they're in here to get recognition. They're here to thrive. They're here to build their businesses too. Casting directors, agents, whatever. An agent's client has a big booking, share it. Drop a comment, you know. If a casting mm-hmm. director gets a new show and it just got picked up for a full series order, like, why wouldn't you shoot him a message? Like, it's great. Don't ask yeah. for anything because that's just silly. But start there and try to build a relationship that way. I like that. It's great. Mm-hmm. It's the easiest way to get FaceTime. Absolutely. And you're giving them accolades. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And they don't put up like, they don't treat you like kryptonite. Because what are you doing? You're just offering. You're giving props. Yeah. You're giving, everybody likes that, you yeah. know? And then, then you see where it goes. Organically, authentically, sincerely, right? You know, don't follow that up immediately with like, so uh, did you hire the lead? <laughs> no. <laughs> Nobody, this is not the way it works. And, um, and also here's my yeah. website and, um, okay, bye. Mm. I just think it's such a, I, I still struggle with it sometimes, something like Instagram. I just get, it feels so inauthentic sometimes. Mm-hmm. It makes me crazy. But I think that's just me thinking too hard about yeah. it. And it's the whole, I don't know. I mean, honestly, for me, the way I, I get over myself and post is because I'm just a clown and I give myself full (laughs) license permission just to be a goofball. I mean, if I put up something from a photo shoot and whatever else, and I'm like, you better believe that caption is going to be ridiculous because (laughs) it is. The whole thing is ridiculous, right? But that's just me. And that speaks to my sense of humor. And, and for sure, um, you're never going to see me post a shirtless photo shoot. Hashtag mood. This is never going to happen. It's never going to be happen. It's going to be something, hopefully, that people will, will, will have a laugh at. That makes it a lot more relatable. <laughs> at least it's not going to be like a sexy photo shoot and like a Bible quote. Like, right, what yeah. What are you well, doing? Politics, religion, all these things, I, I leave out of the equation because... That's good. Is there any it's other just, like it's not things what you for. don't utilize social media for? Um, I mean, honestly, I treat social media mostly as a way to keep in touch, to network, to just stay connected to friends. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I just, to, to, to make connections, to bridge literally gaps uh, from around the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, to connect with somebody, every fan, every follower is a gift. And the, you know, I've gone on to do four of these sniper movies. It's amazing. They, yeah, they play, you're telling me, I hope it's, the ride's not over. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but you know, there's fan, these things air in Turkey and Australia and Southeast Asia and all over the world. And they have access to me and I have access to them. And it's just so nice to hear their, their appreciation for these things. And and then I love to give it back. So I just think social media is wonderful. I think it's all in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of things that can like ruin your day that you could see on social media mm-hmm. all day long or there's you know a lot but also you know we've never had so many kitten videos at this time 
I do. I am mm-hmm. big into the dog videos. How much time do you allot for it? How often do you post things and on which media? I like to get a little specific. Yeah. Um, I also do a lot of email marketing. Okay. There was a woman named Dallas Travers who was really good about like actors and marketing. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of took her course because I'm just a student to the end. <laughs> and she just offered a bunch of really wonderful things. I've been using a service called MailChimp yep. for a long time. And I think over the years, my industry contact list has grown to over 550 people over the years. And so once a year, maybe twice a year, I don't know if there's a lot going on, maybe you know, three times a year, I'll just send out an email blast, friends, family, industry people, um, how you doing, here's what I've been up to, love to hear from you, just one of these kind of things, and then I'll just kind of list off. Mm-hmm. It's not, hey, I got new headshots, it's... Uh, I booked this thing and it's airing so somewhere or just learned that I'm going to be on this or, you know, just signed with this person. It could be any number of things, but mm-hmm. it's just got to be relevant, right? You don't want to clutter up someone's inbox with, you know, stuff that's just not all that, you know, important or, or worth their time. They're busy people, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I do that. I, I, I post. It's hard to even hit once a day across all three of the platforms. Um, but it does depend on what I have going on. If there's a movie coming out or a show I'm on or a release date or, or something fun or exciting, I'll certainly be more active with it. Mm-hmm. And I like to mix it up with unique kind of stuff. Like if I get to, I've been lucky enough to go to the Star Wars premieres the last couple of years. Awesome. So like post from there, like just super fun stuff. It's not all acting. I don't spam yeah. people with you know, that stuff all the time. I try to find I like a balance. So headshots, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I posted something today. I have, a, I have an action horror Western movie coming out in which I play an old West cowboy hunting werewolves. And that's coming out this fall. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, I mean... Action horror Western, yes. I made friends with this really rad graphic designer. Um, and you can find my post, Scar Journals is his handle. And he's getting really into like 16-bit and animation. And I just you know follow his account because he's done some great promo work for me before. And I hit him up and I said, hey, dude, what do you think about like making a little 16-bit char- you know of my character Colt in this movie, you know, with a cowboy hat and the double axes and everything out the duster? And he was like, "Oh my god, I would love to do that." And like, "How about I make a gift and I have him throwing one of the axes?" I'm like, "You do your thing, man, and I promise I will get it all around the internet." And he did, and I posted it today, and this is like the raddest thing. I grew up on Super Nintendo, and like to see like my character as a little 16-bit you know, badass, like digitized cowboy. I was like, this is cool. So I try to find unique ways to post that don't seem to like kill people with blue steel, you know, over and over and over again. So because it's fun. And, and, you know, a lot of my posts are shout outs, even in the posts that I do post, you know, again, they serve my career, but I'm almost always tagging somebody else, giving props to a photographer, giving props to co-stars or, you know, the producers or a director or something like that. You know, I want everybody to get the love and feel the love and, you know, so. Do you, have you ever utilized it in a contract with any film you've done? I know some actors are like, I'll post uh, about this movie or something like that. I'm hearing that's becoming more and more prevalent. I mean, I ain't got the followers to, yeah. to even justify that. But I had this, con- I'm stepping more into producing because, okay. you know, How exciting. after so many years, you're just like, yeah, we could keep going the pre-read callback, hopefully pin, avail, test, whatever route, hope the pilot gets picked up. We could keep doing that, right? But, you know, I'd starve. And so I'm like, I, ne- I want to learn filmmaking, start to finish and start putting my own stuff together. And I think once after you've done it for a while, you're like, oh, I could do this. Yeah. I, I mean, the 
a spark. If you're willing to learn, yeah. and you surround yourself by people and you ask questions, I don't see why you can't. I mean, I think there's worse out there doing it, and they're still getting movies made. So yeah, why not? Sure. Why not me? So I um, I'm stepping into that role more, and I had this interesting conversation because a buddy of mine released an indie film, hired all these people, um, not one of them lifted a finger to promote the movie that they were starring in. And I said, I got to be honest, if I'm a producer start to finish on a movie, we're going to find one, two, three capable actors that can play the roles. I'm sure of it. You know, there's a lot of brilliant actors here. The difference for me will come down to the back end. And are these actors that are proud of their work? Are these actors that are shouting their work from the rooftops Mm -hmm. and don't have to be like dragged along kicking and screaming to have some pride in the stuff they were a part of and helped create? Because, you know, it takes a village. Every movie's a miracle. Like, you you know, it's... Especially in any movies. It's impossible. Oh my God, anything I've done that gets made, I'm like, Mm -hmm. this is everything. So that's 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 a big thing for me. And and it's not about like, you know, they got to have a million followers. I have... I don't have a strong opinion of hiring influencers for everything just because I've seen it. These influencers have built a brand. They've built something with a 3 million subscriber following on YouTube based on like sketches and quick videos and vines and all sorts of other nonsense. Okay, you're going to throw them a couple of acting roles. They're not going to water down the brand that bought them their house and their Porsche with the one acting show that you gave. They're not going to do it. So all these people thinking it's going to put all these eyes on it. Uh Some of the fans might go over and and actively search and find it. But their fans are kids who watch stuff off their phone. They're not those that go to CBS or even Mm -hmm. Redbox or whatever anymore. Exactly. So these networks and producers who think that they've like hacked the system hiring influencers who've never acted a day in their life to, you know, bring their 3 million people over. They're not bringing their 3 million people over. Right. And I guarantee you, your film is not making it onto a video in their 3 million subscriber YouTube channel. It's just not. And and shame on you. Right. Shame on you. We're, the rest yeah. of us are here waiting. No. I mean, maybe they'll find a happy medium. And of course, there's going to be influencers who really want to step into acting more and mm-hmm. would be proud to promote it. But for me, it's not about having a million followers. If I, if I would hire you as an actor, it would be about the level of, of pride and excitement you would have on the back end of things. I don't care if you have 2,000 followers, but if yeah. you're going to like spread the word and just be happy and proud and, and join the grassroots movement, I'm way more excited about that. Yeah. You know? Oh, I love that. So you've traveled, clearly. Oh. <laughs> Let's I? circle back to that. Uh, I've traveled for projects a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, never anywhere crazy as like Bulgaria or South Africa. I've been to France a couple times. Oh, cool. Yeah, it was really fun. How fun. Um, how do you manage it? How do you handle it? There's a lot of things that go into that from point A to Z. What's Man, the process like? I've got it. I've got it down. I mean, I I love it. I mean, a lot of actors hate going out of town. Oh my god, I but it's live such a global it. industry now. Like it's even domestically. Like you you might be going out of the state for every other job you also, book. You'll never feel cooler yeah. than when you're when you're in a small town and yeah. you're filming a movie. Everyone oh, thinks dude. you're a goddamn movie star, oh, and it oh, yeah. feels amazing. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. I've I've had those experiences, and it's, it's just fantastic. <laughs> it really is, but. No, like I said before, you know, the sniper movies have taken me to Johannesburg, South Africa. Uh, the last one we did in Bogota, Colombia. We did um, we did one in Bulgaria and then dipped down into Santorini, uh, Greece. And we did one in Bulgaria and dipped down into Istanbul, Turkey. Um, you know, I've been to Vancouver, Hawaii. I've been a lot of awesome, awesome places, to be honest with you. Texas, this Howler's movie was filmed in Texas. Um, Is it something you sought out? 
Or is this kind of just something that's happened along the way? Uh, it's just kind of happened along the way. I just did two Christmas movies, one in back to back, one in Louisiana, one in Utah. Great. Yeah, I did it. I did it. This sci-fi series I referenced earlier was all filmed in Utah. So I love the travel. <clears throat> Domestic is obviously easy. You mm-hmm. just kind of get on a plane and, and your, your, your plugs and adapters work. <laughs> but, you know, going over to Bulgaria, it's everything from figuring out what to do with your mail to, you know, calling your credit card companies to making sure your passport is tight. Actors, make sure your passport is tight, please. Oh my God, have a passport. I got hired on CSI Miami because the dude they wanted to hire from Canada didn't have an up-to-date passport. So I'm like, I'll take that guest lead playing a cage fighter. Thank you. Very nice. Sick. Yes. Um, No way. That'd be a lesson. Uh, But yeah, and, and, you know, bring your adapters Get your per diem as soon as you can because it's foreign currency. Um, don't let them hold and wait till the end. Oh, you know, make sure you get a credit card if you can. That that it that doesn't get, slap you with international fees because mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's sometimes just a lot easier to track your expenses and everything over there. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, those are kind of my greatest hits list of like preparing to go. Have um, you self taped a lot for another project while you were on a different project? I gotta be honest. Self taping from another country is is brutal. Yeah, and you know, Wi Fi just always seems to be an issue, especially off your phone <laughs> with these massive iPhone files. Like, it's just it's such a pain. And I'm I've been pretty fortunate to play you know a lot of leads, and I take that responsibility very seriously. And I will oftentimes, unless it's just unbelievable, tell my reps I'm not available. I'm filming a movie and I'm working six days a week and we're 12, 14, 16 hours a day. And I just said, it's just not, you know, unless it's something absolutely incredible, you know, I will find a way to make it happen. But my focus is here doing the best job that I can working and playing with these people and creating something awesome. So I, I, you know, it's not a hard stance, but it's pretty firm. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. I want to focus, you know, then in terms of those 16 hour days, especially in other countries, how do you keep yourself healthy from a day? And it, that this could include filming in LA to filming overseas. You're a pretty healthy, fit guy. Um, how, how do you maintain, yeah, especially um, for crazy actor life? It's a good question, and and, and it is important because you really don't know what you're getting over there. You know, in, in in Bulgaria, you're getting lots of cheeses and pork and like potatoes and creams and and all sorts of interesting stuff. But and there's a lot of Greek food there. There's tons of different things. Um, I just talk to the production right away and just be like, hey, just FYI, I'm a paleo diet dude. Okay. Honestly, meat and vegetables. Meat and vegetables. Like, you're going to have a catering person there. Whatever fancy things he wants to do, like, just have him pull a couple of grilled chicken breasts off to the side and I'll make do with the lettuce. Like, honestly. <laughs> and that's it. And then, you know, you get by in, in restaurants and, and stuff like that. But um, Is that your diet most of the time? Is that just why you're shooting? Pretty much. Across no, the I keep it yeah. year round. I, okay. you know, my personal policy is I, I never want to be more than two, three days of exactly where I want to be. I love, I love that. I always say I'm a week out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm like I'm always, a, I'm a week ready. Absolutely, like, I could be because you don't know. Ready. Yeah, you, you really don't know. You know, and, and there is a quick turnaround, especially in TV. And mm-hmm. and if I mean, look, my. I've already said too much, but you know, with GI Joe and like the way that I love Battlestar Galactica and stuff like this, like I want to do action stuff. I want to do the Star Wars type stuff, you know, the the military stuff. So I'm like, I also want to represent the part. I'm a huge comic nerd. Like I love Marvel movies, DC movies, the television shows across the board. And it's like you want to play Iron Fist, 
look like Iron Fist. Yeah. You know, why? What? What are you doing? What are you waiting for? I've heard from some actors that are like, well, when they hire me, then I'll get into Wonder Woman shape. And I'm like, are you out of your mind? They can't. You ain't got that pull unless you're somebody who's a list. Their imagination is not that good. You have to walk in the room being that person. It's another no, right? Do you? What's your fitness life? Fitness life is, I mean, you know, weights a couple times a week. I like to box. I'm still in a basketball league, pretending like I'm 21 years old. (laughs) Uh, Do tons of hiking up in Griffith, some trail running here and there. Uh, I keep it varied. I keep it interesting. Um, Yeah, but my goal is not to be Stallone. I'm I'm quite happy as Swayze. So I always (laughs) try to maintain a a certain level of of Swayze. That's so easy. So, <laughs> so yeah, you know, I just and I just eat well. I eat well most of the time, and and it's just it's just about being you know be prepared, as they said in the Boy Scouts back in the day. Mm-hmm. And so that's just kind of my my deal and my jam. And but you know, I think a lot of actors out there don't really know why they're doing it or what they really want to do. It's hard sometimes to stay you know? motivated in it when you aren't booking. Right. It's hard to yeah. continue that. Mm-hmm. I got to be ready to go when I haven't been on a set in a year and a half. Right. It's, it's, I think that's where the, the discipline yeah. comes in. No, I get it. And you're right. And discipline is a key word. You know, acting, as you know, it's it's a mental discipline. It's a physical discipline. And, you know, it's it's an exercise in mindfulness. You really, um, if you don't believe in you, you're going to find it a lot harder to have other people believe in you. And... You need to get your head right one way or another, you know, med- meditation is spiritual practice because, you know, like I said before, you're 95% getting told no. And until you reach a certain point, you know, become the 1% of Hollywood, it's always going to be that way. And you need, to, you need to make peace with that. You need to be able to rebound from that and you need to not let that destroy you, you know, inside. Do you meditate? I do. Do you have any, is that like part of your morning routine or do you have any routines? Yeah. Your day to day, something yeah. like that, you want to share with anyone? I mean, I'm a, I'm a spirit science guy. You know, I I, uh, I love meditation. I do positive affirmations. Um, I like to write stuff down. You know, I really like to. You know, Tony Robbins, all the great kind of he teachers. Came with notes, guys. Yeah, I do. I've got. I think I've hit most of them. But but um, I'm a big proponent of of the mindful guys, the self help guys, the self improvement people. I I listen and read to everything. I love it, and I think. The biggest thing that's been a help to me is to know what you want and list 50 reasons why. And the, the reasons why have to be good feeling reasons. Um, you know, I want a million dollars. Well, why? Well, because like everyone else has a million dollars and you know, I, I, won't be, I won't be considered a success until I've made a million dollars. It's like those are external reasons. Those are not your good feeling internal reasons why. You know, it's, it's, what do you want? Like, you want to enjoy more freedom? You want to take more vacations? You want to go and experience and have adventure? Like, find your good feeling reasons why. And, and Tony Robbins is, I mean, he's kind of a bastard. He's like, come up with 50. If you can't come up with 50, move on. You don't really want it. I'm like, oh, dude, that's harsh, that's Tony. Um, but so anyway, I'm, I'm really big into stuff like that because it provides, it provides the clarity. Mm-hmm. And it's also, I think, empowered me as an actor to say to my reps, like, um, thank you for the soap opera audition, but that just doesn't float my boat. That's not why I got into this. I got into this to kill werewolves and to uh, hunt down Nazis and to be a space cowboy. So you know, <laughs> maybe wear a cape one day, but you know. Th- There's no reason that can't be on Young and the Restless. I'm I mean, <laughs> until it is. 
is a hard no. And no disrespect, that's some of the hardest work you can do out there. But I do People think, that do it, I'm amazed by. I do think knowing what you want, though, is yes. special. Yes, Because totally. I think everyone oftentimes gets caught up in the, I'll take whatever. Right. But you don't need to and you shouldn't want to take whatever because then mm -hmm. it's like if you're trying to please everyone, you're pleasing no one. Absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, even when going back to the latter, you know, mm -hmm. co-star, guest star, whatever else, I said, here's our easy kills, NCIS, CSI franchise. We aim for those, and we went after them hard. Mm -hmm. They're all cops roles. They're all soldier roles. It was what I was already doing in the sniper movies. It's how I look. It's it's how I read. Yeah. You know, I got clear in that type, on that brand, and I said, let's just work with it until we don't have to or have those unique opportunities where we get to play against it. But let's not fight City Hall right now. Right. We're not going to get anywhere. We don't have leverage to do it. <laughs> You know, we'll just be spinning our wheels. Not yet. Yeah. Not um, yet. This is so fun. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I have time for like it two more fun. questions. So what, do you have any favorite like audition story? Anything that like comes to mind, something that was ridiculous or hilarious <laughs> or like super random oh, or man. you booked or something that really hit home? Yes. Um, well, I've had the best of, I've had the worst of, um, I've had, you know, the cold rooms, the, the warm rooms, the lovely rooms, the amazing rooms. I've had everything in between probably at this point. Um, we're talking hundreds. And, you know, there's been the auditions where the casting director never looks up from his computer once. I was like, why are you on a computer? There's a session going on. Stop click clacking and like, come on, what's, what's, what's happening here? Um, I drove to Santa Monica for this. Yes. <laughs> Damn it. Screensaver. Um, I, a really great story that I have that ties into a lot of the stuff that I, I um, have made such a part of my career is um, I did a World War II movie in Bulgaria on a very snowy mountaintop years ago. Um, have you been to Bulgaria filming twice? Five times. Shut the fuck up. Five times. <laughs> the first person I've ever met who said that. I mean, does it entitle you to citizenship? Like, yeah, I don't know. I was say, are you yeah, a resident? I guess not. Um, <laughs> we shot this awesome World War II movie based on an old like PC video game property. And it was a dream come true for me, growing up with loving Band of Brothers and G.I. Joe's and everything else. But I just remember when I got back to the States and it got released, somehow like through Amazon in my feed, it suggested some of these other movies. And I came across this series of movies called Saints and Soldiers. And I was like, this looks really cool. You could tell it was clearly World War II. It was covered in snow like ours was. And I'm like, I'm going to watch this movie. Watched the movie, was super impressed, clearly was low budget and indie, found who the director was, information email was on IMDb, cold emailed him, said, hey man, we've never met, but I just want to say, I watched your movie, I really enjoyed it, you know, I just did one for, you know, for Sony, XYZ, whatever else, I just said, I know how hard that is, you know, it's a snowy mountain covered shoot, mountain snow covered shoot, it's hard, you're wet, you're freezing, it's, it's nuts, and I said, I just want to let you know, I thought your movie looked great. And I know how hard that is to do. Props to you. And, you know, hopefully we can stay in touch down the road. That was it. We traded 48 emails over five years, just wow. staying in touch, updates, added them to my little marketing, uh -huh. you know, email blast. And we would always re-correspond after that. I get a call two summers ago from Ryan. He says, hey, man, it's a Wednesday. Dead of summer. Nothing going on. He goes, hey, man, I'm, I'm doing a TV show. And... Uh, we're having a really hard time finding this character, this lead character. I said, okay. He's like, I think you'd actually be pretty cool. And like, I talked to the producers on it and like showed him your stuff, but like they would still love to see you audition. I was like, Ryan, absolutely. We had never worked on a film in all the five years of trading emails. We had never met in person, but just kept the dialogue going through updates and everything else. 
I said, absolutely, Ryan. Here's a chance for me to show what I can do for one of your projects. Mm. Did it, nailed it, apparently, sent the tape off, and just feeling like if nothing else, he gets to see what I do, you know, in an audition mm-hmm. setting. And I get a call Friday. He's like, um, they loved your tape, and they want to offer you the lead. And I was like, wow. Wow. Um, there was a little bit more drama involving the network wanting to flip it to Union, but we got that all sorted over the weekend, and they kept it SAG, which was great, so I could actually do it. But it was the lead in a sci-fi series, and it was all based on a relationship. Apparently, they had been they had, had over 400 auditions, and they had been searching for two and a half months for this guy. I emailed him at the right time to catch up, and he was just like, what about you? I mean, I never even saw the breakdown. My manager apparently didn't see the breakdown, but I ended up playing a lead. It, it, was, a, it was a wonderful all-ages action-adventure series called Extinct. We only got one year uh, out of, the, out of the, the network. They wanted to go in a different direction. But very proud of the work, very proud of the show, and just like the best people, and a chance to work with him. That's and finally so meet him. Cool. <laughs> so well, it was, was really when great. When you guys met, was it really cool? Yeah, we were just, it, it was just awesome. It was like we kind of knew each other. Yeah. And we just went right into working together. So. Oh my God, I love that. So, you know, it's possible out there, people. You just did exactly what you said your version of networking was, which was reaching out to someone and giving them accolades. Mm-hmm. And it came full circle for you. And he really appreciated with it. With no, yeah. you put it out there with no expectations. Not at all. And that's, I think that's. I think that's the key, you know, is to not, what, what do they say in Buddhism? No significance, no attachment. I don't have attachment to any audition I ever do. I don't. Some people are just like, how'd your audition go? How do you think you'll get it? You know? And I was like, I don't know. Yeah. I was like, if it's meant to be and if it's a fit, I know what my intentions are. It'll, co- it'll come to me. Is if not, I'm not worried about it. Developed? It's someone else's. Or is that something you've always felt that way? Is that like a feeling you developed or have you always? I think that's come with, with personal maturity and wanting to explore you know, that peace of mind for myself. Mm -hmm. And then by natural extension, it applies to my acting career. And it's served me really, really well. Some people, you know, I have, I'm not one of the actors that blows up their reps for like, well, what do they think? Can we give feedback? What do we think? Your feedback is they will call you back if they liked it. (laughs) You know, unless you're a new client or you're starting off or you're with a new agent or a new manager and they might want to get the lay of the land, you know, on your behalf. But I mean, I just trust at this point. I know what I'm doing. If they wanted to see something different in the room, they would have asked for it. I know I'm putting up good work. I know I'm prepared as heck. Um, if it's mine, it's mine. If they're interested, they're interested. Or it's one of those thousand no's. You know, mm-hmm. I took off as many off the table as I could with my performance. But at the end of the day, I look the way I look. And, you know, you've got the offers out that you already have. So there, there's, it is what it is. So I'm moving on. What does prepared mean to you before you walk into a room? Uh, I think, um, and we'll give a shout out to our, our coach with the most is Sarah Mornell. Uh, we're, yeah. we're both very big fans of Sarah, and I just saw her recently in Atlanta. Um, doing great out there. Oh, we didn't even talk about how yeah. you're doing Atlanta stuff. Maybe we can uh. squeeze it in. But uh, My preparation is, I mean, look, I'm, I have a very analytical mind, a very critical mind. I love the subtext. I love digging for clues. I love... Mining for that gold, like I just, I love it. I love this investigative kind of process with every script, with every side, with every character. And I also feel like I've just, I've picked up enough to know that like, be true to the character, but don't be the nine out of 10 people. Be the one out of 10, you know? And I'm always striving for that. And I'm like, you know, there's a lot of Captain Obvious stuff you can do. And it might be on point. It might be what's needed at the end of the day. And they might direct you down back to that. But I'm going to come in basically being like, I want to be the one that's different while still true. 
in the character, the way that I see it. Mm-hmm. And there's no right or wrong way to go about this. So that's always my goal is to find those interesting moments in every audition that that give it new life, you know, that don't make it feel stale. You know, you, you hear a lot of stuff through the doors, right, and, and the walls. And uh-huh. sometimes you just kind of laugh because I'm like, you have four, five, six people going ahead of you and doing the same thing, doing the, the same thing says, without direction. The script says, yeah. quote, unquote, sigh. Yeah. And they sigh in the so, moment. You know, and Sarah's great because she empowers you to take the liberties that make sense in that way. Yeah. And, and it's been and, a game changer for me. Yeah, and and so I I love that approach. So preparation for me is there. I'm a lines guy. I I, I feel strongly that I want to do everything I can to honor the words of the writer, especially mm-hmm. in TV. They work hard. There's no lines that are accidents unless you get a absolutely terrible ultra low budget, you know, indie script. You which know, we've all which had. Is, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, there's care and there's love and there's intention and there's purpose in those lines. So I am very much about showing that respect and making the lines work. I feel like you're paying me as an actor to make the lines work. At the end of the day, that's my job, to show up and make the lines work. So that's my process. And if they want to see me go off the rails and, and, and encourage that, then I'm like, well, we can do that too. But at the same time, I just want to have respect for all the creatives involved. And the, and the writer is such a huge part of that. Love that. Yeah. Okay, so wait real quick. Yeah. So you're also doing some stuff in Atlanta right now. Uh, y- yes. yes. Yes, kind of. It's been an uh, interesting exploration this year for okay. me. Um, I know a lot of actors who are leaving L.A. for Atlanta. I know many. You, yeah. You're not leaving L.A. You Do you also have an agent now in Atlanta? Is that what it is? I do. I have an agent. I'm with an awesome group of people called the People Store. Love that. Uh, they're fantastic. <laughs> they really There's are. no... Super cool. On that name. <laughs> well, here's here here was my thinking. I I um, in trying to hack the system and just take all the smart cuts that I could, I was pinned over like the last two years for like some pretty great, significant like recurring guest star stuff, some guest star stuff, even some one offs where it was like it's between you and an Atlanta guy. Every time they went with the Atlanta guy, I'm like, I get it. It makes sense. It's shot in you Atlanta. Know? Uh, yeah, it's filmed okay. in Atlanta and. I'm I'm auditioning out of LA, but you got a whole grip of people that you're auditioning out there, and that's cool. Like props to him. The only difference is, is like he drives to set, and you would have to fly me, mm-hmm. put me up. So I'm like, okay, if that's if that's worth it to you, then then go for it. And what a great opportunity for them, right? So I said, what if I could take that no off the table? And so I took some referrals on and and got my stuff over to the People Store. I had a casting director and two working actors on their roster refer me over there. Great. We set up a Skype call. Um, it was a very slow process. Everything's a little bit slower in Atlanta. That's what they which say. Which I love. But at the same time, when you're trying to like square some, some business away, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. <laughs> so I, um, we hit the ground running. And I just said, look, I, I said, look, I, I, Atlanta for me is, is to do nothing but to take that local hire uh, losing a job off the table for me. I, I will come out for major callbacks. I will, I want to do five lines on a Clint Eastwood movie. I really do. Cause I, out here, the barrier to entry in LA, it's impossible. Yeah. You'll never even audition for five lines no. in a Warner brothers, you know, $150 million, never. anything ever. Yeah. It's unbelievable. In Atlanta, they're pulling people off the street to read for these roles. Mm. And, and I was like, I want to be one of those guys. I want to, you know, bring my credibility and my wealth of experience and my relationships. I want to, come out here and I don't want to lose to the local guy anymore. I want to be the local guy if push comes to shove because I want to work mm-hmm. and this is all I do and I love it and I'm passionate and will travel, you know, <laughs> I'll get that flight. Don't you worry about it. I got miles. So it, to me, it was just kind of a, a shortcut, you know, to jump in the line, but I was, you know, very, 
you know, and Sarah will tell you all about, and I listened to the wonderful podcast you guys did on uh, Atlanta and the, and the market great. out there. She's awesome, and she's absolutely right. And we, we, me and Sarah talked for an hour and a half. I went out and visited her and visited the agents uh, a month or two ago to say hi and introduce myself, show them that I would be willing to make the trip, um, not right. just for a job, but for a significant callback, whatever. But I just said, let's just get some things straight. I'm at a point in my career where anything less than a guest star, I'm not really all that interested unless we're talking recurring co-star and The Walking Dead because that's bucket list. <laughs> and I'll do like 27 episodes of that all day long like all those locals do. Like, that's fine. But you I go to zombie yeah, school? But it was just kind of, I, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, um, I, but I just you know, wanted to let them know that like I've worked very hard for however many plus years that I'm not going to get on a flight to do a one-day co-star callback audition in Atlanta. It doesn't yeah. move the needle. It doesn't serve my career, and it's not what I'm, frankly, interested in, in doing in that way because I still have, you know, L.A. opportunities, and I'm still hustling my butt off out here. So we just worked at it like guest star and above, series regular, absolutely. These big things come across. I will fly out, and I, I will demonstrate this to you so that you don't have anything to worry about. So we, we have a great agreement, and I don't think that agreement's going to work with everyone for everyone, and there's certainly casting directors who are not going to be interested in me because I am not there 100% of the time. Mm -hmm. But that's okay, um, because I think the L.A. productions that go out there, they're having higher demand for talent, uh, you know, and if there's a little bit of massaging, a little bit of swaging here and there, like I think that they will, you know, loosen some, some location standards to get the caliber of talent, because they're burning through everybody. Yeah. I'm friends with some of these EPs on some of the shows. I'm like, we've seen everyone. Everybody. We've seen everyone. You know, but those are the same cast and directors that are like super hardcore about like, if you're not local, we're not going to see you. Right. And it's like, well, it's going to come down from above that you are. Mm -hmm. And I'm just laying my foundation so that things are easier if and when. You know, my whole approach was like, look, hopefully I never have to book anything out of there because I'm just kicking butt here or yeah. I'm booking out of LA and they're sending me to Atlanta. But just in case I'm going to eliminate that possibility that I'll lose to a table. local guy. Yeah. I love that. I'm such a nerd. No, I love it. I love it. I like your game plan. Okay. Yeah. Actually, last question. <laughs> if you could have known something before you started in this acting journey, big or small, what would it be? And you know, I ask this question on every podcast. So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, I, I think for me, before I even knew I was setting intentions, I had an intention with myself that I was going to grow as an actor as I could handle it as a person. And I think that that was kind of a subconscious thing. And maybe that, that, that looked a lot like doubt and fear and, and unworthiness because I, you know, didn't go to Juilliard. I don't have a master's degree. I never did a day of theater. You know, I, I started at Leslie Kahn and worked my way through a bunch of classes and, Went that route, right? So there was a lot of me sitting next to guys who I know were like Shakespearean, like highly trained guys. And I'm like, what am I even doing in here? But then I would book and I'd be like, well, there's got to be something to it. So that was always my intention. And the, this climbing the ladder, I think, not just applies to the co-star, guest star evolution, but it also applies to me and my personal growth and development as a, as a human being. And I think my entire career is a reflection of I've stepped into bigger, better things as I've grown to be a bigger, better person. So I've always made an intention to do kind of the spiritual work, the mental work, the me work first, mm -hmm. and let that serve my acting career, rather than letting my acting career bring me the millions, <laughs> and then dealing with my, you know, 
shit self. Uh-huh. You know, because that's when problems <laughs> happen, right? Yes. So it's an inside-out job, and I, I always try to approach it that way rather than outside-in, and I think that would serve anybody at any level of their acting career. I think that's great. And on this earth. <laughs> Smarter words have never been spoken. Take um, that, seasons one and two. <laughs> Chad, thank you so much. This was awesome. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I, I you know publicist hat on i reached out to you because i was such a fan and i'm, I'm, I, I'm i hope people pumped. get a, a lot out of this and and i hope i can save them tens of thousands of dollars and hundreds of thousands of hours that i have journeying <laughs> to learn this you know the hard way and save them and, and, and hopefully provide an easy way for them some of this stuff. So. <laughs> for all of us <laughs> um okay pimp yourself out where can people find you what's your latest work you want to point them to all the goods uh, yeah, f- uh, Facebook, uh, I got a, I got a fan page, Chad Michael Collins. That's the whole actor SAG name mm-hmm. thing. I'm the, I'm the second Are you? most well-known Chad Michael in the industry. Uh, and that's a distant second. Let oh, me tell you, Chad Michael Murray. Murray. Oh, Damn yeah, you. I about um, <laughs> but, uh, at Collins, Chad M Instagram and Twitter. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of me. Come say hi, come laugh at my silly captions and, uh, <laughs> And yeah, that's uh, Howlers is coming out this fall. Me playing a, an old West werewolf slayer, killing some with Sean Patrick Flannery, who's fantastic and hilarious. And um, yeah, I've got I've got some big news coming, but I can't say anything about it probably for another six months to a year. So I'm very excited about it, and, and we'll have these Christmas movies popping in December sometime. So of a Christmas movie, yeah, awesome man, <laughs> fun things. Ah, uh, thank you, thank you. This is just so good. Thank you for having thank me. You. All right, guys, I will talk to you in just a bit. And that brings us to the end of today's podcast. Chad, thank you so much for your time, energy, and insight. You were awesome. You guys, thank you so much for tuning in and listening. This season is off and flowing. I love the shares on Instagram. I love the subscribes, the reviews, all that good stuff. If you haven't yet, make sure you follow me at Sam Valentine. Make sure you check out OneBrokeActress.com. There is always a post that goes with every podcast as well as a lot more stuff going on there. I also wanted to let you guys know, since you listened to the very end of the podcast today, there's a little something coming on Thursday for you, something we haven't done yet. So keep an ear out, keep your eyes on your podcast, and until then, I will talk to you later this week.